it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. You know, our mission is to serve you with advice and information that empowers you so you can make better financial decisions in your life. One decision I hope you'll consider making is to help out a child in foster care this Christmas season to fulfill their Christmas wish list. It's the 33rd year of Clark's Christmas Kids fulfilling these wish lists. And how does it happen? Because of your kindness, your heart, and your generosity. Just go to ClarksChristmasKids.com to donate. Uh, You know, today feels like an early Christmas or Hanukkah gift to me. Although we're after Hanukkah. Anyway, it feels like an early Christmas (laughs) gift to me. It can feel like it, yeah. Because I get the gift from you of learning, of being schooled, where I might have messed up in today's Clark Stink segment. And later, I have great news for you on a common device that can prevent what's known as cognitive decline by about half, and it's getting cheaper to buy every single day. But without further ado, it's time for Clark Stinks. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. I I could say Clark smells like a litter box in summer after three kittens have eaten raw fish, but I won't. After hearing Clark's glowing reviews of USAA, I transferred to them. Nearly 20 years of poor service, reduced services, and poor customer service have followed. I've been treated better by Wells Fargo. I have recently started moving my stuff to Navy Federal, and I hope Clark isn't leading me down another dark, dank alley. Perry. (laughs) Well, welcome to Navy Federal. We are a Navy Federal family. Funny thing is my brother, my oldest brother, served in the Navy for years, and my other brother served in... uh, He was in the Air Force Reserves, and he was in the Army Reserves, whatever. But neither of them are Navy Federal members. On the issue of USAA, USAA has come up a lot recently. We've had a lot of uh, steadily increasing number of complaints about USAA from a customer service standpoint. And as I promised, we contacted USAA had a hard time getting any response from them. And then we got the lamest kind of statement from them, like you'd expect from Wells Fargo. We got that kind of lame (laughs) statement from them. And it was disappointing to say the least. And Perry, I hope that you enjoy Navy Federal. And I'm sorry that USAA let you down year after year after year. I'm not sure you understood the comment from the Connecticut teacher who wanted your opinion on Social Security and teachers in our state. Obviously, she did not pay into Social Security. Therefore, she isn't eligible for benefits. However, most teachers, including my husband, paid into Social Security through second jobs over the years. Starting in high school, my husband paid into Social Security and has continued through summer jobs and university adjunct teaching to earn loads of Social Security quarters. As a retiree in Connecticut, he receives only 40% of his Social Security benefit. Fortunately, he has a very good pension, as do I, but I do believe that this is unfair, and I will not receive any of his earned Social Security if he predeceases me. Pat. Pat, thank you. And, uh, you know, when I talked about it before, it was about, you know, when the question I had, 
the response I gave was not Connecticut specific, but what is specifically true wherever you are in the country is there are discriminatory formulas in Social Security that if you work at a job for a long period of time that is not a participant in Social Security, the statutes are drawn to punish you, and there are going to be circumstances, just as you describe, where the punishment does not fit the quote-unquote crime or not uh, contributing to Social Security, because obviously in your family, there's been years and years and jobs contributing to Social Security, but the statute that Congress and its wisdom drew up punishes you so severely in professions where money is not contributed to Social Security, even with, as you pointed out, money that was contributed. And what I would do is I would bend the ear of your congressman and uh, both of your senators and tell them that you want this fixed, that this is unfair discrimination against hardworking people in the state of Connecticut. These kind of changes take place when voters get fed up and get riled up and try to get their elected leaders to do something to fix something that is and unfairness in the system. Clark is smelling a little basic when it comes to I-bonds. Today, Clark kept referring to the fixed interest rate as the base interest rate on I-bonds. What Clark neglected to explain was that the fixed rate is not a base rate because the word base assumes that you will always receive that amount. The term fixed does too, but it's important that I-bond buyers know that in periods of deflation, there have been two since 2008, the I-bond pays neither the fixed or variable interest rate. Clark, please let your listeners know that the fixed, in or in your words, base inter- interest rate is not always paid to I-bond holders, Rob. Rob, our Consumer Action Center people are going to hate me talking about I-bonds again because it's the hardest topic to explain to people, and then it generates a lot of questions to Team Clark. So, yes, it's true. If inflation is negative then you're going to be upside down potentially in the bonds. It is a freak occurrence, but it can happen. But you're still better off with a, you refer to it as fixed, I call it base. You get the inflation rate plus the fixed rate of 1.3% with Series I inflation-adjusted savings bonds that you buy right now. I want to point out again, Series I savings bonds are for the savings portion of your money, not the investment portion of your money. You can hold them up to 30 years, a minimum of a year. The smart holding period is a minimum of five years. And right now they do offer a good deal because you get an additional amount above the rate of inflation. If we're in a deflationary cycle, then they're not a great thing to own. Clark, fully autonomous driving cars are not happening. The only way truly autonomous in every situation, all weather, every last parking lot, road, and highway can ever happen is if the entire environment is communicating. This is not happening. There will be better advanced cruise control, always requiring the driver to be ready to take control, but the true autonomous car will never happen, Mike. Mike, the true autonomous car or transportation vehicle will happen. Mark my words, I may not be alive to see it, but it will happen. It's just going to take so much longer than Elon Musk 
claimed years ago, where it was just going to happen in a couple of months. I mean, it's a very hard thing to do. And you can see technology changes happen very slowly and then all at once. And so the improvements I've seen just in how these systems drive on a freeway is mind-blowing. I mean, it's incredible how good these advanced driver systems are doing freeway driving. It's a whole different scale to do completely autonomous driving without a steering wheel, brakes, an accelerator, anything like that, where you're just sitting in a lounge kind of in a vehicle of whatever type it'll be on surface streets. And we are a long way from full autonomous, but I promise it's going to happen. The technology will bring us there. Clark, love you, buddy, but you smell like the open can of sardines my wife left on the counter last night. You're always reminding us how we need to keep an eye on for our aging parents, whether it's financial scams or safety. Today, a 75-year-old man wrote in saying that his kids want him to get a new car with safety features and that money was no issue for him. I fell on the floor when you cut the legs off these adult children trying to help their father, for which we don't know the details about his driving capabilities, by focusing 100% on the financials of the transaction. These kids probably all got on a family conference call together, like you suggest, decided that the next best move was a safer car, never thinking that Clark will shut them down in one fell swoop. My own mother is 80 and still driving, but our family has started talking about how or when this stops. As suggested by my sister, we as a family decided that she will start taking an annual driving course designed to help and test seniors. My mom has agreed. If she writes in to ask your opinion, please don't change her mind. And again, love you guys. Thanks for everything you do for us. After 10 years of listening, I've finally got my sister hooked as well, David. David, thank you. And, you know, you bring up such a good point that I did undermine the very safety issues that the kids were trying to put in place probably not being comfortable how dad was driving. So maybe that's a precursor to a conversation where maybe they want dad to take Ubers or Lyfts instead if that's viable where he lives. Uh, So yeah, you're right. I totally went to the financial side of it and did not address the human side. As someone who has been preaching fiscal responsibility for years on your show, I was taken aback by your reply to the mother who wanted to start charging her son, an engineer with a well-paying job, $500 a month in rent. She said she would put it aside for him and then gift it to him when it was time to buy a house. That doesn't seem like it's teaching him to be responsible for his own finances. Why shouldn't the parents keep the money to cover the cost of having another adult in the house? I think it's time for some tough love in that family, Tracy. Gosh, you may be right too, Tracy. But the thing is, we have a situation where we've got, is it a third of adult children are now living under their parents' roof, I think is the number. And in a lot of cases, it starts gradually, kid moves back in, what looks like it's going to be very temporarily, and then it becomes really comfortable and it's a free ride in most cases. I think what was going on in that case, and maybe I was reading into it wasn't there, was the whole idea of of trying to get the kid to move along and by charging the rent and then saving it to help the kid with the down payment, I think was all about in that family's culture and dynamic to try to get the kid to move along. So I hear what you're saying. I feel like in their case, it was as far as things were going to go, at least for now. 
One of the reasons that Clark said he prefers being his own restaurant delivery driver is because he can get the food back to his family much quicker. Now, I don't know his driving habits, but I'm willing to bet he drives at or below the speed limit. Maybe I'm too much of a risk taker, but as a food delivery driver, I think I could get the food back to the Clark Howard residence quicker than Clark could. I would also use an insulated bag so that it would not lose as much of its freshness and hotness. It's rare that the food is just sitting there at the restaurant waiting for a driver to pick it up. I often have to wait at the restaurant for five to 10 minutes while they get it ready. However, I do agree that the, the delivery apps are the only winners. We delivery drivers get paid 2 to $4 per delivery and rely on the customer's tips to subsidize the rest of our wages, which isn't fair to the customer, Jeremy. Jeremy, my goodness, you're doing all that work. Customers paying 30% extra and you're only getting 2 to $4 a delivery? Wow. Wow. I think, I think you said it right. The apps are the only ones making the money. As for me, I do what you described. You know, I'll order from a restaurant and I get in my car and I'm immediately, or if I'm walking there, I'm walking there already. They tell me it's going to be ready in 15 to 20 minutes, whatever they say. I'm already on my way and I'm waiting like you're describing and I get the food when it's piping hot. Then I get back home by running every stop sign, every red light, and exceeding the speed limit. No, I, <laughs> I obey traffic laws, often though I'm walking, and the food is hot when I get home. Clark, recently you gave some advice to Mike from Ohio about his new TV, which was inoperable on arrival. Isn't it almost certain that he would have paid with a credit card? If so, can he dispute the charge with the credit card company? Go Team Clark, Russell in Missouri. Russell, it's funny because I did think about saying that when, when I was answering that question. And uh, chargeback becomes more difficult when you actually have the goods because you have clear chargeback rights, failure to deliver goods or services. But it gets difficult when there's a dispute about how the TV is performing in this case. The real pressure point in that is the retailer. The retailer is the one who's got to make it right for the customer. And in this case, they were left hung out to dry by the retailer and left to the mercy of a manufacturer with a TV that was dead on arrival. Nobody in the manufacturer or at the retailer handled this right. The chargeback, as long as it takes place within 60 days, would be a tool, but it's a last resort. Clark recently recommended purchasing a used electric or hybrid vehicle if an individual doesn't drive much. However, my experience as an owner of a shop that specializes in such vehicles has been that if the battery is not regularly exercised, cycled between 20 and 80%, they fail prematurely. In fact, the majority of batteries we replace are on 7 to 10-year-old vehicles with fewer than 60,000 miles. Based on that, my recommendation to clients is that they must drive over 7,000 miles per year. There are other considerations, but so far this fuzzy math has held true. Todd. Todd, thank you. I really appreciate that suggestion because you work on them every day. You see the consequences of a lightly driven electric vehicle. I, when I think about that, I'm thinking about somebody who uses it as a commuter car and the range of any of them with a commuter car should be plenty to use going back to work or going to run errands or taking the kids to school or whatever. And used electric vehicles a generation back where the ranges weren't as great are selling really cheaply in the marketplace. Battery health is important. And something I've neglected to mention 
is to have the batteries checked out, which is something obviously in large cities now, there are shops that specialize in electric vehicles. And as I talk about having a vehicle inspected, that's where you want to have it inspected by somebody like Todd at a business specializing in servicing and repairing electric vehicles. Thank you for that information. I appreciate it very much. And I appreciate all of you with your perspectives, your posts. And if you listen regularly to our Clark Stinks podcast, listen to the variety of things people bring up and the angles that I just miss as a guy. You know, one person, I'll think of something in a box and there's something outside the box that I didn't address or think about. And that's why I appreciate so much you taking the time to do the posts that you do. Coming up ahead, believe it or not, The marketplace offers a way to potentially reduce decline in older age by half. No kidding. I'll tell you how straight ahead. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I am so excited seeing the continuing decline in the cost of hearing aids. We're not close to world prices yet in the United States. But we were far and away, without doubt, the highest prices on hearing aids anywhere in the world because we had any competitive cartel-like laws that finally Congress busted. Took years for the ensuing regulations to be effective, years after they were supposed to, as they were slow-walked by the White House. But now they are in effect. And... The prices don't fall instantly, but they are steadily falling. And now it's really possible, not even hard in the marketplace, to find a set of advanced hearing aids below a grand. And this is so important because most people who need hearing aids won't wear them out of uh, vanity reasons, or they tried them and they were uncomfortable, or they won't even try them because they're so expensive. But that expense of six to ten thousand or so dollars is in the rearview mirror as they get on a steady trend line to be cheaper. And it may be a good while till we're at world prices, which is about two hundred dollars for a set of hearing aids. But we're now in the hundreds instead of the thousands. And even state of the art hearing aids are available for a pair for fifteen hundred or less as opening up the marketplace, allowing competition, and allowing what are known as OTCs, full hearing aids that self-adjust to your ears to be able to buy them. But now Johns Hopkins has completed definitive peer-reviewed research that finds without doubt that hearing aids in people that are older who have hearing loss and it's so gradual and imperceptible, they may not even realize it, but that it will reduce cognitive decline by half. Half. I mean, this is 
This is big because one of the greatest risks of dementia is hearing loss, is you don't engage like you did before, and you kind of withdraw, your brain does too. Your brain slows down. Your brain, I mean, realize I'm using layman's terms, but your brain is not kicking in all cylinders like it would have before. Or as we were talking about electric vehicles a few minutes ago, not getting you the full range you were getting before. So just know that if you didn't think that this was something you could afford, or you tried them before and they were uncomfortable. There are so many different makes and models now that are ultra affordable that you can do for hundreds and not even thousands. Under 2000 is really, unless you have a very unusual specific situation, you should be fine. You can't even see them. I mean, they're almost invisible. It's amazing. You think about first you notice it in a loud situation in a crowded restaurant or at a party that's loud or something like that. And that's where you may notice at first that you're having hearing loss. When that happens, that's an early warning sign. Go have your ears tested. There are lots of free online tests and you can see, oh yeah, I have loss function. And my wife insists that I can't hear worth a darn anymore. So I went to the audiologist, had the full test, and to her great shock, my hearing was fine. Well, you just might have selective hearing. I'm a man. I'm a husband. (laughs) And we sometimes have this problem with concentration and tune out. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the hearing aids too. Now the Bluetooth that made a big difference for my dad. Like he can he can hook up to your phone. You might be blaring the TV and not realize it. You can even hook them up to like a smart TV. It's just yeah. The cell phone thing is so easy to hook them up to a cell phone, and then the calls you had trouble hearing before you hear clear as day. All right, we'll go to questions. This one's from Sherry in Tennessee. Instead of replacing my dedicated Chromebook used for personal finance. What does Clark think of using a dedicated iPad for the same thing? I used to have all of my banking and financial apps on my iPhone, but was worried about the phone theft or SIM swapping. So I bought an iPad, created a totally separate Apple ID and account, and installed all my banking apps on that and deleted them from my iPhone. I also have a dedicated Gmail address on the iPad, separate from my regular Gmail account on the iPhone. Does this sound safe? Am I overlooking anything? Also, my iPad is Wi-Fi only and doesn't include cellular. Uh, This is a great alternative to a Chromebook, and the iPads have come down so much in price. People love them. Grace of our crew was using a Samsung tablet and switched to an iPad, and it was like her whole life had a great new chapter in it having the iPad. And so, yes, it is a great alternative to using a Chromebook. Daniel in Ohio says we purchased a 2022 Honda CRV and we have an opportunity to purchase an extended warranty for $2,000 to cover the computer system. I do not believe in general repair warranties, but this is just on the electronic operating system. The out-of-pocket cost to repair the computer system in the, in the car would cost around $8,000. This is one of those categories of potential catastrophic loss. I am not aware of any chronic problem with the computer systems in Hondas having a gross, complete failure that requires a hugely expensive replacement. 
And so the $2,000 means that you would have to have a big chance of failure to make that worth it, a 25% chance of failure or higher to make that really worth it. And if it's from Honda and not a third party. It would need to be from Honda Motor itself if you're going to buy it at all. But I would say that you cannot insure against every little thing in life. And yes, it would be a tragic event for your wallet if it went out and I told you not to buy it. Now you're net out $6,000 when I said don't spend 2000 against a potential $8,000 repair. But to my knowledge, it is such a rare occurrence that that would not be money well spent. It's probably under warranty for more than... You know, I don't know what the warranty period yeah. would be. I mean, that's something you would have to find out on the 22. How long do they protect you under the warranty? Probably only 36 months or 36,000 miles or something like that. Autumn in Oklahoma says, recently I visited a doctor's office and the intake employee used a personal phone to scan my driver's license, insurance ID, and to take my photo. I asked about this and the staff member's response was that it's a private practice and they require their staff members to use personal phones for intake, but none of the documents are saved to the device because they use a QR code app to scan them. The app then sends the documents to the computer database. I'm uncomfortable with this and wonder if this is a HIPAA violation. And if so, who can I contact? Can I ask for my information to be deleted? Autumn? That is the craziest story I have ever heard. I mean, no, that would not in any way be a safe procedure. That is terrible. I mean, if they want to use a phone or a tablet, because I've seen tablets used in doctor's offices, they want to use one to scan documents like uh, IDs, that's fine, but it needs to be an office one and it needs to be kept in a safe environment to have it on employees' own personal phones, that's bonkers. Because uh, we were talking about iPads just a second ago. I mean, using an iPad for this that would cost the practice $299, $329, wherever they are on sale, and that would be an office device. I mean, my goodness. Just about every medical office you go to now has those little scanning devices. They are not expensive to be able to scan these things and go right into the office's medical record system. But you are right. This is a doctor is not thinking at all. And it is not a safe thing to do. And it's a lot to ask of your employees to use their personal device. Not sure if it's a HIPAA violation per se, if they're just using an app, but... I would ask for my information to be deleted. Well, it, I would think it is a HIPAA because it's not within the practice. It's somebody's private cell phone. Even though they're an employee, they're using their personal cell phone yeah. to take a I mean, scan they're, of they're, those they're, documents. They're saying that they use an app. They have a QR code. It brings up the app, which then scans the stuff, I guess, through the phone is what they're claiming. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I know. Well, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying yeah. I don't know that it's definitely... Next time you're in seeing the doctor, mention to him or her that you're worried about privacy and the practice may be getting in trouble for privacy violations and say it like that. I just don't want you to get in trouble instead of going full bore because you don't want the doctor to 
than say you're no longer a patient if you really like the doctor. You just don't like the practice. But uh, weird and short-sighted. Well, Krista, now it's time for a Clarkie to end our week, our Friday. That's right. What you got? And with this one. Hello, Clark. This is John from Minnesota. I've been listening to you on AM radio in North Carolina since the late 90s. I'm no longer doing that, obviously. I'm doing the podcast. But wanted to get, say hi to you and give Krista major props for all of her amazing work and patience. Um, I've been banking at a giant monster mega bank for years, and I had money, all this cash sitting in the savings account. And despite you constantly reminding me of all of the money I wasn't making by putting it into a high-yield savings account, I was driving my dogs home from a groomer one day after spending over $200 on them, and I thought, this has got to end. It's happening every month. So I put that money in a high-yield savings account, and rather than making $0.32 a year, I'm covering the annual cost of all of my dogs, both of them, and their grooming expenses for the entire year. So basically, with my high-yield savings account, I'm paying nothing for grooming. But wait, Clark, that wasn't enough. I decided to invest in my own grooming supplies after some time and spend some money on that. So not only am I saving more money now, but I'm learning how to groom little designer dogs for my wife and children. It's fantastic. And uh, I want to just thank you lastly one more time for restructuring the DNA in my head to think like a Clarkie and saving money where I can and avoid getting ripped off. So the other day, uh, Lane wasn't home, my wife, and Sam, the groomer, who's the most wonderful man, had come to groom our dogs. Oh, it comes to your house? He's got a mobile thing. Nice. A lot of mobile ones now. Yeah, mobile groomers. So Sam comes. Lane had left me these instructions very specifically on the cut that she wanted on Kirkland's signature. Mm-hmm. So I take the dogs down. I said, Sam, Lane told me she wanted a particular cut on Kirkland. And I don't remember what it was at all, and I couldn't reach her. And so he starts naming one style of cut after another, after another. And finally I said, I think that's it. Oh, no. And it turned out to be right. Oh, good. I've already forgotten what it was called. Oh, wow. So what do you think? You're to take John's advice and get some grooming equipment and... Do it myself? Yeah. Not a chance. <laughs> I want the dogs to like me. <laughs> they're, they're her dogs, but it's better that dogs be your friend and not your enemy, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I no. did a hack job on our dog one time. You tried to do the grooming? I tried, yeah. It wasn't pretty at all. Yeah, that's why Sam the groomer does so yeah. well. I mean, you call Sam and you ask for an appointment, and it takes like three months to get on his schedule. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people spending a lot of money grooming their dogs. Oh, yes. I would never even have known that that was something people did. Well, John is super impressive. I mean, he's Yeah, he's doing himself. But I would never even know that people groom dogs till Lane started bringing dogs in the house. And then she'd say, oh, they're going to the groomer. I'm like, what? (laughs) Enough of that. Have an absolutely wonderful weekend. And uh, if you don't tune in to us, our podcast next week. I want to go ahead and wish you a very Merry Christmas. But hang around, visit with us next week too.